0: Hi, friends. Thanks for listening in to Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope. This is your host, Kurt Linville. You know, the podcast has been going out at various times during the day, and I've been timing it based on the uh, timing of headlines that are being released, late-breaking stories, when numbers are being published, and that sort of thing. So if you want the latest you really should consider subscribing to the show. That way you will know when the show comes out. And while I'm trying to do the show daily, it has been coming out at various times during the day. So please subscribe and also tell your friends about the show. If you find it helpful, maybe they will too. Remember, our goal is to keep you informed because knowledge is power and also to provide you with some perspective and hope for weathering this current crisis. Today's show focuses a lot on the economic impacts of the coronavirus. The economic impacts are going to be non-trivial, as you can imagine. You're already seeing the impacts. I know that a lot of people have been laid off from work already because their company is closed down. They've been forced to close. And as this happens, people have to figure out how to weather the economic storm. This is also creating some fears and concerns on Wall Street and with investors around the globe. And so I want to try to offer a little bit of perspective on that and talk about what we can do to minimize the economic damage, the collateral damage that the coronavirus could do. But first, the headlines. This is from the Associated Press. Most of today's news is from the Associated Press. The death toll from the global pandemic surpassed 10,000 people worldwide and the effects of a global economy grinding to a halt because of the pandemic were beginning to show. New York and California locked down in response to the coronavirus. People are encouraged to stay home. Exceptions are vital jobs and errands, such as grocery shopping as well as exercise. Mm. President Trump invoked the Defense Protection Act to get needed medical supplies on the front lines of a coronavirus outbreak, and the private sector mobilized against it. Now, the Defense Protection Act was really intended for wartime powers for the president, and Donald Trump has invoked these powers, saying that this is a war, that he is a wartime president, and that we're battling against this Chinese virus, as he would say, the coronavirus, COVID-19. This brings up a rather sensitive subject for me personally. You see, I really believe in personal liberty. I believe that all people need to have as much freedom as possible to uh, self-direct. I believe that we also have personal responsibility, responsibility to make wise decisions and do right things. So jurisdictions around the planet are exercising powers that are pushing the limits of constitutionality. No surprise, extraordinary times do call for extraordinary measures, and these are very, very unusual times. I just want to throw out there one thought, and that is... Remember liberty when this is over. We are all making sacrifices and giving up some of our personal liberties to move around as we normally would, to go places at our own discretion. We're doing this for the sake of the greater good. I get it. I get it. Right? We need to be making responsible and wise decisions. But when this scare is over, remember liberty. Don't give it up. I don't want us to take a huge incremental step forward away from personal liberty and personal individual responsibility because those are the tenets that made the west great okay enough on that the next story is also from the associated press and here's some good news for all you tax filing people out there the federal income tax filing deadline was pushed out from april 15th to july 15th though the administration advises americans expecting refunds to file sooner woohoo i think that's great news so If this caught you off guard and you're kind of struggling to get the taxes done by april 15th well you just got a little bit more time i think that's a beautiful thing there's a lot in the news today about the availability of coronavirus testing kits and supplies that are necessary to do the testing and there's some good reasons for that concern as i highlighted in yesterday's show One of the biggest challenges of this current crisis is getting reliable information. And when people go untested, then the numbers about the spread of the virus are are not well known. Not only that, but it takes away a lot of our power to, I guess, reinstate some of the liberty that uh, we're going to have to see reinstated at the end of this crisis. So let let me share with you what the Associated Press has to say about this. Some of the coronavirus tests didn't work at first then there weren't enough to go around. Now, just as the federal government tries to ramp up nationwide screening, laboratory workers are warning of a new roadblock, dire shortages of testing supplies. The shortages are the latest stumble in a botched effort to track the spread of coronavirus that has left the U.S. weeks behind many other developed countries. Dwindling supplies include both chemical compounds and basic swabs needed to collect patient samples. There are acute serious shortages across the board for supplies needed to do the tests, said Eric Blank of the Association of Public Health Laboratories, which represents state and local health labs. So why does this matter? Well, if the tests are quick and if they're available and they're affordable, then people can be tested and perhaps states and countries could adopt a return-to-normalcy policy once we know for certain who has the virus. So if we knew who was done having the virus, who was not contagious or a carrier of the virus, then maybe we could explore and introduce programs to get people back out and doing things the way we were doing them before this event. While no such programs are being implemented, it does seem to be the quickest way to minimize the economic collateral damage of the COVID-19. Think about it. No one knows exactly how long we as the people of Earth will be dealing with this virus. What we do know is that social distancing and extreme social distancing is helping. We're saving lives. But we also know that these extreme measures cannot be long-lived or the economic collateral damage is going to be overwhelming. So it matters that we can get back to normalcy as quickly as possible. And one requirement for that is going to be lots and lots of testing. Dr. Ashish Yaw at Harvard University, he's a global health professor, He and his colleagues say that the U.S. should be screening 100,000 to 150,000 people per day, but the current rate is roughly 20,000 people per day. So we're an order of magnitude short of what we need to be doing to get enough information to know exactly what sorts of actions we should be taking. In short, we need testing supplies. Now, I want to spend some time on the economy. It's going to be the main focus of the first part of the show. Then we'll do the numbers and, of course, We'll offer some more words of encouragement, ideas to help us all weather this current storm. But about the economy, I think the most important thing is don't be alarmist. It is certainly easy to imagine potential negative outcomes. And, you know, the problem with the imagination is it blows things out of perspective. And these potential negative outcomes could become monsters hiding under the bed that are waiting to grab us in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? We don't need those kind of nightmares. We have enough going on already with the very real issues of coronavirus. So we need to maybe settle down a little bit about the economy. We need to act normally, thinking long-term, and don't hoard. You know, I said that in episode one, I believe. Don't hoard because what that does is it creates supply issues for everybody else. Our supply chains aren't broken, right? We still have food. We still have all the hard goods that we need. All we need to do is act normally. Now let's talk for a minute about the Great Depression. I'm talking about 1929, okay? Not 2008, the Great Recession, but the Great Depression. Economists have called that the Great Panic of 1929 for a long time, and the reason that they use the word panic is uh, very noteworthy. Economists, in retrospect, have looked at what happened and realized that perhaps the biggest contributing factor to the Great Depression was fear. As we now know, the stock market, it rises and it falls. And when it's low, then people like to invest and it climbs back up again. And we've seen that cycle now a lot longer than uh, they had seen back in that time. But when the stock market crashed in October of 1929, people got scared and there was a run on the banks. And at that time, the banks were not federally insured. The FDIC hadn't been created yet. So the banks had to close their doors for good reason. (laughs) Because, believe it or not, banks are allowed to loan far more money than they have in deposits. And that means that if everyone wants their money at once, well, it's not really there. But now we have the FDIC, which ensures the banks to make sure that that's not a problem. So, point is, when people thought that their money was gone, the panic deepened, and everybody started hoarding, everybody started going into survival mode, and the outcome lasted for years. It was really, really tough to recover from the Great Depression. And it wasn't because of the actual economic conditions. The economic conditions had a negative feedback mechanism that was amplified by panic, by fear. So that's why the most important thing that we can do as a society right now, globally, nationally, statewide, locally, is be normal. Keep earning money. Keep spending money. We're going to have a downturn It'll come back again. We need supply and demand to stay at normal levels, to stay stable. We need the value of our currency to stay stable. And short-sighted financial management doesn't help. Okay, we need to be long-sighted. We've seen these things multiple times now. Maybe our experience can help us. We know that everything is going to come back again. So look to the far horizon. Give it time. And uh, if... If you've lost money in a retirement fund or in some stock investments, or if you find that your real estate value starts to drop, just remember these things are cyclical. It will come back. And if you have the means, it's a beautiful time to invest when assets cost less. So take advantage of that, and as you invest, it bolsters the whole economy. Now here's a bit from the Associated Press about what's going on in the stock market. Stocks sank to their worst week since the financial crisis of 2008 as traders went into full retreat out of fear. What was I saying about fear? That the coronavirus will plunge the U.S. and other major economies into deep recessions. The Dow industrials dropped more than 900 points, extending their weekly loss to 17%. The price of crude oil also took another nosedive as investors anticipate a sharp drop in demand for energy as manufacturing, travel, and commerce grind nearly to a halt. Investors are jumpy due to the uncertainty about the size and duration of the impact of the coronavirus outbreak and the spreading wave of business shutdowns meant to help contain it. Again, that was from the Associated Press. I want to give you my take on this. Um, We've seen this over and over again, like I said. People get scared, everyone thinks short term, stock market drops, all sorts of things happen that, that put us on financial shaky ground, but it's always temporary. It may take a couple of years for us to bounce back but we will bounce back and the less panic we act on now the less damaging the economic impact will be and the sooner we'll all be back into the bull market that we love but here's my take i don't make any claims about being qualified to make economic projections but what i've learned from personal economic studies is that people's psychological financial confidence is a huge contributing factor to the severity and duration of economic downturns. That's what I've been saying. And it makes sense, doesn't it? People want to earn money and not lose money. People make decisions based on their financial confidence. But the problem is we get these herd instincts and mass hysteria, and those are the real threats. That's why thinking long-term really matters right now. We will weather not only coronavirus, but also the collateral economic damage if we simply stay calm, take a pause, and wait the storm out. You know, as the scare comes to a close, There will be amazing economic and financial opportunities as the world's productivity engine fires back up. Sure, we tend to come inside to wait out storms. It makes sense, right? That's human nature. But remember how wonderful it is to go out right after a storm to experience the newly freshened air, the sunshine, and the glorious aromas of the freshly watered and cleansed earth. Think past the storm. That's going to help our economic conditions more than anything. And at times like this, people like to sell before it's too late. I would encourage you not to do that because you're just going to lose money. The value of all of these assets and investments will come back up again. So just park it for the long haul. Take it easy, and then you can enjoy the beauty after the storm. Whether you adopt this philosophy or not is completely up to you. If you do adopt this long-sightedness that I'm talking about... Then expect to watch all of your investments drop in value for a while, but they will come back again. Don't get gold feet. Just rest. It'll be okay. Now it's time to take a quick look at the numbers for today. Um, you know, everyone's talking about flattening the curve using this social distancing to try to slow the spread. Of the virus, and, and the main idea there is that we can avoid overwhelming the medical resources that we have, which means more people can survive. However, because the testing kits have been in such limited supply, we're starting to get more results from the testing kits, and it doesn't mean that the virus is actually spreading. It's just we have more information coming in. Right now, we have not flattened the curve. The curves are are exponential and not looking good. But they're keep in mind they're they're probably falsified by actually getting results that we didn't have before. I just wanted to go over a few of the numbers today. We're almost up to 300,000 known cases. Um, So the quarter of a million mark just flew right by. We have had 12,775 deaths worldwide. Recovered, 94,000. If you run the math on that, again, this is not a legitimate number yet, but that comes to about 10% of the people that uh, have what they would say closed cases, right? That means they either recovered or died. About 10% of the people did die. Now, that's keep in mind that that number is not legitimate. It's just an indicator at this point. What happens is the people that were the sickest were the ones that showed up and got tested. They're the ones who went to the hospital, and those who were in the worst shape, of course, are more likely to die. So the early reporting is skewed, by the people that were the sickest. And there may be 10 times as many people out there that do have the virus, but it's not making them that sick. So they haven't even reported. So if we were to divide that 10% by a factor of 10, then you're at 1%. And it might be that it's 100 times as many people have the virus as, you know, were really sick and got reported. So Now you're down to about the same amount of uh, death rate as the common flu, if that were the case. We really don't know at this point, so these numbers are preliminary. We shouldn't freak out, but I still want to cover them. Italy, not doing well. Wow. Italy's new cases are uh, 6,500 new cases in the last 24 hours. That's pretty disturbing. Um, We'd like to see Italy hit the top of that curve and head down the other side for this to settle down for them but it, it appears that uh, maybe it's because more people are being tested and there's just more awareness but it still appears to be accelerating 53,000 cases in Italy right now, that's an extraordinary number of cases for such a, a small population Spain is about half that, 25,000 cases, United States 22,000 cases, so the US moved up into slot number 4 out of slot number 6 but keep in mind, that's primarily because we're finally getting some people tested here. And also keep in mind that the United States is the third most populous nation on Earth. So our percent of cases is very low. Uh, however, we are reporting in the United States about 5,000 new cases yesterday, which is not a great trend. Um, the numbers that I really like to look at are the total recovered China is reporting 71,000, almost 72,000 cases have recovered, and that's good news. In the United States, we're only showing 147. That's because it's it's much earlier in the progression of the virus here in the United States. It hasn't had time yet to run its course, so we only have 147 recovered cases so far. But that number will grow, but that's the number we should be rooting for. We want the recovered cases to get bigger and bigger and bigger because these people are building immunity they have weathered the storm they're coming out the other side and about testing again we really really need the ability to test people to confirm that they're no longer a threat so they can get back out into society and be productive and we can start um, firing up this economic engine again so here are some encouraging thoughts from a variety of people Some quotes that I think are encouraging. Helen Keller said, Although the world is full of suffering, it is full also of the overcoming of it. And I think that really speaks to us today. we got to remember that humanity is tenacious, and humanity does overcome, and we will overcome this one as well. So, you know, again, think long term. Think long term. Here's another one for you. People are always blaming their circumstances for what they are. I don't believe in circumstances. The people get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want, and if they can't find them, they make them. That is George Bernard Shaw from the book Mrs. Warren's Profession. Here is one from Eleanor Roosevelt. You have to accept whatever comes, and the only important thing is that you meet it with the best you have to give. And if anybody knew what she was talking about, Eleanor Roosevelt would be that person. If you know the history of Eleanor Roosevelt, wow, what an overcomer. What a what a lady who stepped up in times of need and gave it the best that she had to give. Now, you might say, you know, all of these quotes, oh, they sound good, but it's just a Pollyanna thing, and that doesn't work for me. Well, you know what? These sorts of things only work if you adopt them as a part of your life. If you adopt these into your daily decision-making and the actions that you take each day and the only way that that happens is if you take a little bit of time and ponder it for a moment what is it that you could give your best to today take a moment and think about that how are you going to step up and do your best people are being impacted by this social distancing and extreme social distancing in a variety of ways You may not have access to what you've made a career out of. You may not currently have access to do the thing you're really good at. So here's the challenge. Find something else that you can be really good at and be good at it. You know, we're taking a bit of a pause as a worldwide society. We're taking a bit of a pause. Well, what a beautiful time to... To innovate and to be creative and to do the things that you haven't had time to do and to focus on learning the skill sets that you've wanted to learn, might as well do it now. What a golden opportunity. And I'm kind of concerned that a lot of people will become depressed or down in the dumps. It's kind of hard to pick your own self up by the seat of your pants, but sometimes that's what's required. But you can help others, and when others help you and people work together... Then there's a lot of encouragement there. I'm gonna end with Proverbs 17:17. 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So people, be a brother, be a friend, stick together, and I know that we will weather this storm apart yet together.